This afternoon, uh, dodging the showers, I went out for a walk in my garden and, uh, with Kim. And I think many of you know we've got, we've got a, quite a large garden. Um, and uh, so we've got a lot of opportunities to, to do things with it. Um, and each, each autumn, I, I buy some bulbs, which I then dig, <laughs> bury them in the garden. Sometimes I remember where they are and sometimes I don't. Um, but they're, they're, uh, I don't know if you ever thought about it. You know, when you look at a bulb, you think that it doesn't look much like a flower, does it? And it doesn't look very alive either, actually. Most of them, they don't. They look <laughs> um, so what happens if you, if you take a bulb and somebody says, you know, that's going to turn into a flower? No, you have to believe that, don't you? Because if, you, if you've never seen it before, you probably wouldn't think you'd eat it or something or cook it like you would an onion, chop it up. Because that's what they look like. If, 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 you never, if you did not know that this thing turned into that thing, you, you'd find it hard to believe. But you have no trouble believing that, do you? And I say, oh yeah, of course that does. That, that, that becomes that. It doesn't look much like that, but it definitely becomes one of those. And the interesting thing is that, look, what would happen if you didn't put the bulb in the ground? It wouldn't become what it's meant to be, would it? Even though it's got the full potential. <laughs> wow, yeah. It's quite, straight, it's, it's quite straightforward. The, 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 the potential in this thing comes to nothing unless it's buried in the right soil. And um, what is smart not to do when you've buried a bulb is to, is to dig around and try and find it again. Um, because I actually, I've done this a few times, because I don't remember where I put my bulbs from each year, that sometimes I'm digging down to bury some new ones, oh, no, it just went straight through one that was already there. That, that, it doesn't help it if you cut, cut it in half. It really doesn't. So, um, so but when, when I bury the bulbs, I have a, I have a confident expectation that I'm going to see flowers in the next spring. How long do I have to wait? Quite, quite a while. Not that long, really, but you know, there's a sense of there's definitely some months delay in there. And I'm not thinking during those months, God, those bulbs that I was sold, they're a dud. That's, this stuff doesn't work. Where is it? And, um, and I just love seeing New Life Right. I love this time of year. The other thing I love seeing is, is I just love the <coughs> all the buds coming out. Anybody else like me? Just this New Life I just love it. Now, and uh, particularly if, we, if we've planted something new and you're not quite sure, because actually we've got some that don't make it. Um, we, we, we buy a lot of, sort of um, rootless plants because they're a lot cheaper. And, and, and in all honesty, some of them are probably alive when you um, <coughs> plant them, and some actually aren't, they? because they've, they've already withered and dried out. So it is a bit of a, an interesting... Because with those, I don't have the same degree of confidence as I do with a bulb, because I'm not quite sure. But, but you should see the excitement we get when we see the first little sprig of green on, on come out here. Wow! So we go, Kim, come on, look at this. You're thinking, now, if you, again, you think you're pretty crazy. You say, what are these guys getting excited about? There's, there is virtually nothing. You look like you've got a dead twig and it's got one little speck of green on it. Well, see, that I know, that's a sign of. Life. It's coming alive. I don't need to see him full bloom. I think, wow! So I, I attach my expectation to, to that, little, that little sign. And I, get, I choose to get excited. 
I do. I'd like, wow, you should see me. I'm like a kid in a playground. Wow, yeah, wow, wow. I never thought I'd be like this. But and I want to talk to you about the promises of God tonight. Because the promises of God are just like bulbs or plants. Because they carry power. They carry life within them. But what do they need to be planted in? Soil. And what sort of soil? Good soil. And I think Jesus told a, a parable about that, didn't he? He did. He told, he told you know, the parable of the, the sower, the, the, good, the soils, the different ones. And uh, it's worth, worth looking at those. those, those well, I'm not going to go into it in great detail. But, you know, there's stuff that lands on a rocky thing. Now, what, what happens to that, that, that seed? The first stuff dries on the path. So it, 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 it gets eaten. It, it doesn't even make it into the... Because actually, you've got... There's a, see, when the promises of God come along, you've got an enemy who wants to rob you immediately. Yeah? So, so, so it's on the path, not the rocky. So, so that, and that, when you first get promised, that's when you've got to be the most careful to get it into the right soil. Because, see, the devil knows the power of God's promises. And if he can, if he can get rid of that, First, first hit. He's, that looks like success for him. <clears throat> so the greatest challenge to your promises will be when you first receive them. Probably. Then there's there's the one that goes in rocker and it doesn't put its its, its roots down deep. It comes, it rises up quickly, but it's got no depth to to its roots. And then it, when 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 pressure comes or heat of the day or whatever like that, it actually shrivels up and, and, and dies. And that's an interesting picture. And it's one of the things, again, I guess a sadness I've seen over many years where I see people who, you know, in their Christian life, there's this initial burst of enthusiasm. You know, and it's amazing. Absolutely. It is amazing. And I like, I like the enthusiasm. But unless that amazingness is, is, is actually married up with putting the roots down deep, then trouble will catch you out, actually. Um, then the third one is actually where, where it gets tangled up with other stuff going around. It does, it's not that it doesn't survive, it just gets tangled up. And um, we've got some pretty uh, rampant weeds in, it, in our garden. It's got a lot of, um, uh, what's it called? Um, goose grass. Do you know that stuff? Cool, man, it grows like crazy. And if you let it go, it wraps itself around everything. And then you, you can't actually get it up without... Because it sticks. It's, it's really sticky. And it, it, you can't get it up without damaging the other plants. Um, but the good soil will bear fruit. And so what I'm going to say, the, prom, the promises of God, you need to make sure what soil they're going to land in in your heart and your mind. And if they land in places of unbelief, then there'll be a problem. And I think one of the, one of the greatest challenges we have is when we're experiencing delay. When you're experiencing delay, the, 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 you think, that bulb alive down there? The temptation to dig it up and have a look. And <laughs> it is, is, is definitely there. 
And so I want to talk to you about a guy called Abraham. Started off as Abraham, became Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, God gave him an extraordinary promise. And he said, so the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Is that not an amazing promise? I mean, if you've been around me long enough, you'll have heard me talk about this a lot. That, for me, has defined my Christianity for, well, decades now. Because um, basically, God says, I'm going to bless you. So I, I, what, what's a good idea then? Is to believe he wants to bless me. Um, and it tells us in Romans chapter 4, which is where we're going to go in a minute, that actually that, that, that <clears throat> this promise that was given to Abraham actually belongs to all who are uh, his children in the faith. So if you've got the faith in Jesus, this, this promise that was back there given thousands and thousands of years ago actually belongs to you. It's yours. So, so this is your destiny to be so blessed that the world can't escape being blessed. That, that's, that's, that's what it says. All nations will be blessed through you. And it's a result of, I will bless you so much that the blessing... Not, God's not saying, I'm going to bless the nations. He says, I'm going to bless them through you because you're going to be blessed so much. So what's the problem if you don't get yourself blessed? Well, the, the nations don't get blessed. It, it, it's, it's, so I, I'd like to, to suggest to you that it's selfish not to be very blessed. It's a massive problem because Christians are apologetic. It's amazing how, particularly British people, who apologise for being blessed. Which is why, actually, I've, you know, I'm, I say we moved into a house. It's got this whacking great garden. And initially, Kim and I thought we'd better not tell anybody because what will they think of us? And he thought, actually, that is bad, isn't it? That was it's a temptation. No, I tell you, God has blessed us beyond measure. And through us, through, through as we release that blessing. I'd be fascinated to see other people enter into a blessing of their own. <clears throat> Some people have experienced that, haven't you, Sasha? Yes, directly. And other people. It, the deal is that, that I need to be so blessed. Now, how many blessings have I received in Christ? Ephesians chapter 1. Every spiritual blessing. It says, uh, uh, every, uh, <laughs> that, that's a lot of blessing. So here's a promise to you. You already have an inheritance of every spiritual blessing in Christ. Wow. Now, the question is, how many of those bulbs have you planted? See, so you've got an absolute storehouse of, of, of bulbs, but they've got to get planted in the soil, the good soil. So let's, let's flip forward to Romans chapter 4. So in Romans chapter 4, um, verse 13, he says, It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. That's a big, that's a, wow, heir of the world. That means you get to inherit the world. Wow. I think that's what it says, isn't it? I'm, I'm just trying to read it. doesn't take too much interpretation, I don't think. So heir of the world. Who, who did... God give the world to in the first place? Adam and Eve. 
Who robbed them of that potential? The devil did. What's God, give, what's God giving back? The world. So it's not through the law, that means it's not through getting yourself caught up in rules and regulations that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. So, here's a bulb. Righteousness. It's a pretty big one, to be honest. That is a phenomenal growth promise you have. What's it got to be buried in? What's the soil? It tells you here. The soil of... It's faith, it says... But through the righteousness that comes by faith. Faith is the soil within which you have to plant the promises of God if they're going to come into full fruition. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for, which is why it's pretty important that you keep your hope up. That song was really relevant. You keep your hopes up. What happens if you don't keep your hope up? Well, I'd like to say another side of things is that, that hope is the soil in which faith grows. Because faith was the initial bulb that God gave you to enable you to be born again. That, that's how life came into you in the first place. So hope is, is, is really important. How easy is it to keep on hoping when there's big delays going on? Well, that's actually when you have to keep on hoping. Because when you get instant answers, you don't have to hope a great lot, do you? Okay. Verse 16, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Verse 16. Cool, that's a cool one. I, lo- uh, this is, well, I love this. Guaranteed. If God guarantees something, that's pretty good, isn't it? I don't know. You ever have, when you go and buy some electrical good and you, they're trying to offer you a guarantee? How many of you take those? No, not many. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't trust that guarantee, do you? Like, I don't broadly speak, I think. No, no thanks. I, I, it makes me think that they don't think their product's going to last a year. <laughs> Either that or they just want to get some more money out of me, which is more likely. You can trust the promise of God because he's guaranteed it to all. So how many of us? Ooh, that's a big deal. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those, to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into beings, being things that were not. <laughs> that's, that's another sentence. So he gives life to the dead and he calls into being things that were not. That's even cooler than raising something from the dead, isn't it? That, 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 that's creating something out of nothing. I remember, uh, this is a, not a true story, it's an anecdotal story of, of, of a scientist um, who basically thought he'd managed to create life out of, of some test tube stuff and decided he challenged God. And um, so, imagine this in the science lab... And, and, and so the scientist turns up and there's absolutely no material there whatsoever. Nothing. No equipment, nothing, no, no, no basis. So the scientist says, hey, well, what have we got to work with? And God says, you've got exactly the same as what I've got to work with. Nothing. <laughs> 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 
isn't it amazing he doesn't need anything to create something? Now that, I don't understand that, do you? I literally don't. So what I do is I choose to believe it. That's why the sparkly stuff excites me. When the sparkly stuff turns out, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we get a lot of sparkly stuff that just appears. And it appears out of nowhere, then it disappears again. And I thought, and people say, what is it? And I, I, honestly, I, say, I honestly don't care. I'm just, just amazed that it just came out of nothing. And people say, well, how much do you need to see? I said, I just need one little, one, little, one little bit of green to make me think, that's amazing. You'll be surprised how much joy I can get out of one sparkly bit. So I was chatting to somebody this morning, actually. It was somebody, yeah, there's stuff. I was chatting to somebody this morning, and, and they were just saying, and they came in, and they were saying, under a lot of pressure at work, and this, that, and the other, and were disappointed because they weren't at, couldn't be at this, couldn't be at that. And I said, oh, by the way, you've got a gold speckle on your, on your face. Literally, she said, what? Anyway, pray for boom, off she goes in. That was that sorted for us. <laughs> see, I, I, I see that, and I thought, ah, God's here. And you know what? He, if, he, if he can create something out of nothing, then, then the rest is easy. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Get, get, get excited by it. <clears throat> Some people say, well, it was there anyway because it was a kid's party this afternoon. I said, yeah, okay. I said, yeah but you just watch because I've seen it multiply even if it was from a kid's party. I have, I've said, yeah, it was, but it wasn't this large. Because people will try and find reasons not to believe. No, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it can't be, but what I'm saying is that there are, I, you cannot show me, or you cannot convince me that, that God is not able to do this. Now, I want to come on to this, because this is where I'm really going to aim towards, okay? So... Verse 18 is, is, is a great hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. I'm going to read out from the... I like, I like the New Living Translation on this. So that's, that was, that's the NIV. But it says this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Aha. Isn't that good? <laughs> Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. What? Say, well, how can you keep hoping? It's useless. There's no chance. There's no... Uh, no, my, my God. See, he creates stuff out of nothing. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't got enough. He doesn't need enough. He doesn't need anything. He, he doesn't work on the basis of enough. Or not enough. He just, it's irrelevant to him. No, Jesus did take what was offered to him. No, loaves and fish and... And the smartest thing you can do is give what you've got because you watch what he'll do with it. Keep your hope up. Eh? <laughs> now, I, I like this. Verse 19 says this. Because how old was Abraham when he got the promise? Do you know? It's in your Bible if you want to have a look. But... 75 is the answer. He was 75 years old when he got the the promise that he'd become the father of many nations. Um, now, I've often joked about this, but I say, if, you know, if I'd got that, that thing, and his wife was 65 when he got the promise. Now, I reckon if I'd woken up the next morning and I'd had that promise, I'd expect to look younger. 
Because <laughs> if I'm going to have become a father of nations, I, I need a body that goes alongside that very much. So that's, and and this, this body's got to do some work. And I reckon... So, <laughs> so I reckon looking in the mirror would have been a disappointing experience. <laughs> Just thinking, yeah, no. Don't see how this is going to work, God. And this, and now, have you ever tried to work out how God's going to do it? Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't do it the way you would do it necessarily. It's a bit, and with Abraham, what goes on? You've then got a massive delay going on um, that goes on for 25 years. 25 years. En route, he made some pretty big mistakes. And his wife persuaded him to try and, let's work this out, shall we? Is is the is the slave girl? Woohoo! Baby, but not the baby of the promise. Is what it says. That's that that that's a baby of of works. And there's a difference between the promise that is by grace, which says it's by grace, and, and and trying to work out a promise by your own effort. It is hard work to try and do that because you know what? You cannot produce stuff out of nothing. You can be really resourceful, but you can't do what God can do. You know, the, 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 the power, the potential that is within the bulbs that he has given you is far outweighs anything that you could get your hands on yourself. And so it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. There we are, that's, that's reality. Check, check, check in the mirror thinking, it's not looking good. And then he looked at his wife and he oh goodness. <laughs> I'm just to see it. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Oh, no, she might still be a good looker, I don't know, but it, you know, she, she was 90 by the time she had a baby. <laughs> Without weakening his faith, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And I want to say, this is one of the most important things I can teach you. The, the, the promises of God do not grow in the soil of denial. They just don't. So when people say, oh, it's all right. He's not really sick. No, no, he is sick. I'm not really old. <laughs> I can try and deny. My wife's not really infertile. Do you understand? All this stuff, you think, oh, yeah. This, this is, some people make out that that is great faith, denying reality. It isn't. It's actually stupidity. And it's not a blessing to the world because the world looks on and thinks you are stupid. And I did, it for, I did it for a year. I believed I'd been healed of asthma. I hadn't. And I wheezed my way through a year. Yeah, badly. And my, my dad was watching on, who wasn't born again. And I was telling him I'd been healed. I don't think he was impressed. <laughs> Particularly as I was in my gap year, heading off to medical school. It wasn't very convincing. I want to say, if you've not been healed, it's a fact. If you've not got your promise, it's a fact, okay? Abraham didn't go around with Sarah saying, hey, look at our baby. <laughs> We've got a baby. He didn't have a baby. What did he have? He had God. He had a promise. And he had faith, because that's what it talks about. <clears throat> Verse 20, look at this. Next one's coming over. Yeah, he did not waver through what? Unbelief. Unbelief. 
regarding the promise of God. He made some pretty big mistakes. He did. Put his wife in a harem twice. That's, that's not a good idea. Once would be bad. Twice is stupid. <clears throat> but what he, what he never, and it says, I, I, I love this, what, what he never wavered in terms of his belief system was his belief regarding the promise of God. And this is the key. And he was strengthened in his faith. Do you know what? Isn't that amazing? See, delay is an opportunity to either grow in faith or diminish in faith. I talked a bit about this last week with um, Caleb and Joshua. Last week? Yeah, it was last week. Week before? I'm losing track. Anyway, week before, I think. Um, Caleb and Joshua, you know, they, they waited for 40 years to enter the promised land. And it wasn't their fault. It was the unbelief around them that, that had robbed a whole generation of the promised land. Yet they didn't waver. The two of them. And Abraham didn't waver, but was strengthened his faith and gave glory to God. What, what does that give you a clue? I would suggest he worshipped. One of the most astonishing verses I know of in the Bible is in Job, when he's lost absolutely everything, apart from his wife. He's lost his kids. And the next verse says he worshipped. Wow. I do love this song, don't you? Um, what, nothing can take my hallelujah. What, why do you give God your Hallelujah. Because he's worthy, because he's God, and he's worthy of it. And if my, circumst- if my circumstances stop me worshipping, then, then my circumstances are my God. Worship is for God because he's God. And always will be, because he's amazing, and he's always worth it. And he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now this is verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And that's where I want to land. How fully persuaded are you that God's powerful? Yep. Nod, 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 nod. <laughs> do you think you could do with some more persuasion? We all could. Because I would suggest our faith is not expanded to the place where we're managing to cultivate all the bulbs that God has given to us. Is there room for your faith to expand? And it doesn't matter what you've got at the moment, okay? This is not about who you've got faith. Everyone in this room has faith in God. But the challenge of unbelief is, is, is very real and it can cause you to waver. It can cause you to to slow down or even regress. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And uh, throughout my life, God has given me plenty of opportunities to be persuaded. Encounters with him. And uh, I want to recommend something to you that you encounter the power of God simply for encountering the power of God's sake. It really is important not to necessarily have to find a reason beyond that. 
and uh, some people need an explanation for everything. I, I suggest it's not a great idea, need an explanation for everything. Now, why did God do that? Because he can. Because he wanted to, because he chose to. Why? Because he can. Some of you have heard the stories I've had. I, I, you know, I was praying for somebody once. Uh, uh, I, just, I, I, I was sort of kind of squatting, kneeling, laying hands. They were on the floor, and I was, you know, they were kneeling, and I was there. And the power of God hit me. Um, and so if I was here, I would have flown over three rows of chairs and landed on my back somewhere, back over there. Literally over. And uh, landed on my back, and it hurt. So some people say, oh, wouldn't hurt if it's God. I thought, well, I beg to differ. It did hurt. It, it definitely did. <laughs> you can tell it's God. It didn't hurt. Well, I would suggest that I, uh, not so convinced about that. And as I was lying there, I was, I was a bit, you know, um, stunned, I think. Was, and I had, I had the marks on my back to, to show when I got home to King. I was at a conference. I still had the marks on my back to show. I said, you should, you should see what God did to me. And I was lying there, and, and I, I said to God, what was that about? And he said, I was just showing you. I said, just showing me what? He said, just showing you I can. Well, you sure can. <laughs> now, I haven't forgotten that. I was persuaded more than I had been previously. Thought, wow, I didn't even ask for that. Well, I thought it was kind of unfair. I was trying to bless somebody else. And, Woo, Boom. Times I remember one time when my son, when he was 11, uh, under the power of God, being stuck to the floor for an hour and a half. Not at home, he was in a meeting, it was, but he, he, was, he, was, he was, and if you talk to him to this day, he'll tell you, it felt like he was strapped to the floor with straps. There was nothing there. And it didn't matter what we did, we couldn't shift him. I tried to shift him, I couldn't get him up. He just couldn't, whoa! And not for an hour and a half. Well, why did God do that to an 11-year-old? He was a bit alarmed, but I tell you, he hasn't forgotten that. No, he's pretty persuaded that God's powerful. So when I took him with me to Africa when he was 16, he had no problem believing that God could do miracles. I just saw David first lay hands on somebody and heal them when he was three. As they played together and his little mate fell over and <laughs> hurt himself. And I was, I was, I saw them, they were just playing outside our house, and I was there watching on. And before I could get over and check out what had gone on, David had got there first because he wanted to get on with playing, because that's important when you're three. This was a, just an unwelcome interruption to playtime. So he just laid his hands on, on his friend Christopher, saying, Okay, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Up, off, the, off, the, off Christopher ran with him, and they, they were playing again. You see, that was. Somebody once told me that kids believe in miracles until somebody teaches them otherwise. Has anybody taught you otherwise? So, I've got five little points here that says, how did Abraham deal with delay? 25 years, remember? He never lost sight of the promise of God. You want to jot this down? If you're taking notes, this is about the best I do, okay? So, he never lost sight of the promise of God. He kept hope alive. 
He faced the facts of daily life and didn't live in denial. He kept on trusting God and giving him glory. And he won the battle against unbelief. So I want you to imagine this enormous bag of bulbs that God has given to you, okay? You can get them in your mind's eye? Imagine a... It's just it's too, too, too large to think you're going to ever get around to planting all in this lifetime because you've got, you've got eternity to look forward to, you know. Wow! Woo! What are you going to do with those bags? What are you going to do with that bag? What are you going to do with all those bulbs? You're going to plant them? I want you to choose the soil in which you're going to plant the promises of God. Take the bulb of miracle and put it in the soil of faith. How about this? I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. If you faced a significant delay, I want you to take hold of this right now. It says, because who's the source of hope? Pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I release hope in this place right now. Wow! Confident hope. Let it be released in this place. And Father, we choose to be fully persuaded of who you are, of your power. Wow! I want you to, I want you to invite God to persuade you about himself. Will you do that right now? <laughs> Is he good? He is. Is he powerful? He's, he most surely is. Wow! Does he want to put so much blessing in your hands that you can't contain it? Okay, let's, let's, get, let's start to get hold because we, we need to get hold of this stuff because there's a world out there that needs to be blessed. So I want you to get ready. Get a whole sack full of blessing, okay? Get your hands out. Ready for a sack full of blessing. <laughs> I release the blessing of heaven into every life here right now. Wow! The power of God being released in people, through people. The blessings of heaven. Wow, thank you, Jesus, that we have received every spiritual blessing because of what you've already done. Wow! You! (laughs) One last verse I'm going to read out over you. It says this. This is just extraordinary. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Because he cannot deny who he is. God is who he is. He can't deny himself. So if you you will approach him, you will get him. In all his fullness. Father, I now release faith, the gift of faith in this room. Father, I pray you 
Give us faith to keep on trusting you through the moments of delay. And Father, I pray for those who need healing, for miracles to be released now. This is Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this out and then we'll finish. Okay, it says, I keep asking. So what do you do? Keep asking. That's one of the keys. Dealing with delay? Don't stop asking. I keep asking that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may be fully persuaded of who he is. Father, I pray that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation amongst us tonight. That you would be more fully known. That you would persuade us of who you are. Wow. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Woo. <laughs> Ooh, this is good. Oh, wow. I, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. Well, that's good enough to read again, isn't it? Receive this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Amen.